0: Words and here are the words if only. If only, they're words that express regret about something, something in the past that's had a negative effect on your life in some way, something you wish hadn't happened but did happen. Sometimes they relate to something that someone else did. How many thousands upon thousands of people in Ukraine and Russia and many other parts of the world, look back to February the 24th, 2022 and say, if only Vladimir Putin hadn't invaded Ukraine. Sometimes the regret is more personal. So, if only, fill in the blank, that person hadn't done that to me. If only that person hadn't said that to me. And sometimes the regret relates to something I did or failed to do. If only I. Fill in the blank. This is quite painful, isn't it? Because I've no doubt when I said that, there's probably things that have happened to you that you look back and say, if only I hadn't. Or if only I'd done something. Something. That I ought to have done. So, what's your biggest if only? What's your biggest regret? I did think about getting you to get your phones and put it on the screen, but it would be far too personal and painful, wouldn't it? A list of things that are our greatest regrets. So, today we're going to focus on the greatest possible if only. Not just to those who originally it refers to. But as we'll see, for anyone, for everyone. And we find it in the Easter event that we celebrate today as the Easter season is here. We're leaving our series in Matthew's Gospel and Sermon on the Mount for a moment, for a couple of weeks. We'll be back to it later, God willing. Uh, that event that we call today is in the church calendar. If you're familiar with church, this is Palm Sunday. All right? And we find the story in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we're going to look at Luke's Gospel today. And following a parable Jesus taught, we're going to read, and Jemima, somewhere is Jemima, is going to read for us uh, Luke 19, 28-44. And as we read, spot spot the if only. All right? So it's in these Bibles, and I don't know if you know, but the church has a new app. Yes, yes. Did you know that? <laughs> Well, if you're open at the app, here's a wonderful thing. On the bottom, it says Bible. And if you click the word Bible, you can follow the reading in six different in English translations. And I think Spanish as well. So we're going to start adding other ones. I hope there'll be, you know, Mandarin and uh, Ibo or Yoruba or whatever. That'd be nice, wouldn't it, Jemima? So uh, let's listen to the reading then. Follow it wherever you like. And uh, if you come up here, thanks. There's the microphone. Thank you very much.
1: I read. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? say, The Lord needs it. Those who went ahead, who were sent ahead went and found it, just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. They brought, they brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the, the Mount of Olives,
0: Well, Palm Sunday is a day of contrasting emotions. You can see that from the reading. It's a day of rejoicing, and it's totally appropriate. When the religious leaders, the Pharisees, say to Jesus to stop the crowd singing his praise, Jesus says, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. It's quite appropriate, as we've done on Palm Sunday, to praise God joyfully and thankfully. But the next words records in his Gospel are these. As Jesus approached Jerusalem... And saw the city, he wept over it. Palm Sunday is not just a day of rejoicing, but a day of weeping, of mourning. The word translated weep there in the original language is not the word of sort of a quiet sob dabbing a tear out of the corner of your eye. It is a word that expresses loud grief, outright loud vehement sobbing. As Jesus approaches the city of Jerusalem, he is convulsed with sorrow. So, why did Jesus wail and weep over the city of Jerusalem? Well, it's there. The if only is in the verse. Did you spot it? Why Jesus wept. As Jesus approached the city and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if, if, you, even you, had only known on the day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. If only, if only. And on this Palm Sunday in the year 2023, we rejoice and sing Hosanna in the praise of the servant king who went to Jerusalem, suffered and died and was raised to life on the third day. But what of our Lord Jesus Christ today? I want to suggest in a very real sense that he still weeps over our city, over its people and perhaps over us this morning. So why does he weep? For the very same reasons, he wept over Jerusalem and its people on that first Palm Sunday. So let me suggest three connected reasons. Preachers like threes and they like things that kind of rhyme and whatever. So this may seem a bit strange, but just stay with me. If you don't like it, just follow what's underneath it, all right? So let me suggest three phrases which summarize why Jesus wept and still wept. First of all, innumerable opportunities. The city of Jerusalem and the people of Israel had an enviable track record of consistently failing to recognize God's messengers and to respond to God's word. They were privileged over all the other people groups on earth to be God's own people. And yet they'd constantly turned their backs on him and rejected his overtures of love and his offers of forgiveness. Listen to the words... Of the Lord, 700 pre- years previous to this, here is God speaking through a prophet called Isaiah. Listen what he says This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is best for you, who directs you in the way you should go. If only you had paid attention to my commands, your peace would have been like a river, your well being like the waves of the sea. If only. Yet they had failed to pay attention year after year, century after century, prophet after prophet, and persisted in going their own way. Even God's judgments had failed to turn them back to him. And now the one whom the prophets had predicted, the one they'd all been expecting, the long awaited Messiah, had come and they had failed to recognize him. All the clues to his identity had been there for the past three years, his teaching and his miracles, everything was plain to see. On one occasion, Jesus said to them, if the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, notorious for their gross sin, if they'd seen what you've seen, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. And yet they failed to respond to the many opportunities. They had no excuses for not recognizing and welcoming Jesus, their long-expected king. And now Jesus knows they're about to kill him. They'd refused his overtures of love. And protection. Listen to Luke's gospel again. Just a chapter back. And Luke, well, a few chapters back. This is his previous visit to Jerusalem. Here's Jesus praying over the city again. Luke 13. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and stoned those sent to you, how often I would long to have gathered your children together as a hen gathers a chick under her wings, but you were not willing Look, your house has left you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That day has now arrived. The palm Sunday crowds cry out, blessed is he who has come in the name of the Lord. And nothing had changed. If only innumerable chances and opportunities to accept God's mercy and salvation had been refused and rejected. And seeing this, Jesus weeps. He's convulsed with sorrow. So what of our city and nation? Scotland, once known as the land of the book. What of us and our response to Jesus? You see, all the evidence is there. Available to the, as in the Bible if you speak English. In numerous translations. You can just click on an app, as I said, and see six different versions of the whole Bible Millions still wait to hear the good news, but maybe you've had chance after chance. Maybe this morning you're not yet a Christian. Let me say how nice it is to see you here. We're glad you've come along to Hope City. We want to be a welcoming community. But if you heard the good news of Jesus, have you responded to his opportunity to put your trust in him, to confess he is the king and accept his peace terms? Have you taken the opportunity? The Lord Jesus Christ weeps over the innumerable opportunities that have been rejected, if only, he says. But that's not all, for here's something even more serious, and stay with me on this, because this is the toughest part of a sermon you'll ever preach. Innumerable opportunities have been rejected, and that leads to a second thing over which the Lord Jesus weeps, irreversible choices that have been made. Look more carefully at the words of Jesus, recorded in verses 41 to 42. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace. But now it's hidden from your eyes. Later he says, because you did not recognize the day, the time of God's coming to you. Now look at the the words very carefully. On a surface level, it appears as though the people are not to blame for the fact that they have missed their Messiah. It appears that it's happened through ignorance. They've not known. Or through concealment, it was hidden from their eyes. Or by mistake, as we read those verses, you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. But that is to ignore when Jesus said these words. They should have known, but now on this day, notice carefully, they cannot know. They should have seen, but now it is hidden from their eyes. They should have recognized the time of God's coming, but now, now it is too late. You see, the words of Jesus in that previous visit, he says, you were not willing, and now, he says, you are not able. There comes a point sometimes in your life, if you refuse God speaking to you, when your willingness solidifies and you make irreversible choices so you're not able, they had the opportunities and they missed them. And in doing so, their choices became irreversible. And there is no way back. Jesus sees that. And that's why he weeps over his city and his people. Let me give him a quote from a commentator. This is, this is pretty hardcore stuff, but stay with me. He says this, Wherever Jesus is heard and accepted, his word quickens, it gives life. But when it is rejected, his word deadens. I will not believe hardens into I cannot believe. This is how it seems on the surface but within it is the awesome act of God by which you may confirm us in our persistent unbelief. This dreadful possibility is not for us and our speculation. How long can a man continue to sin in unbelief before God hardens him? Rather our response should always be to flee from disobedience as fast as possible. See there are two fatal mistakes that you can make in regard to our response to God's word. The first is to think we can come to God on our own terms. As though we're involved in some kind of bargaining process. You cannot bargain with God. Only accept the generous peace terms he offers through his son. Be reconciled to God. But not only is it a terrible mistake to think we can come to God on our own terms. It is an even more terrible mistake to think you can come to God in your own time. We may understand God's terms. We may know it's right and fair. But we have our own agenda for our lives. And so we defer the choice saying, believing that will come later a time more convenient for us. Particularly applies to younger people. If you're a younger person here, still sitting here. you grown up in a Christian family and you think, well, I know my mum and dad and other people believe this. But I'm going to have a great time and, you know... Later on, when it's more convenient, I'll I'll become a Christian one of those days. In the book of Acts, which we studied recently in Hope City, we read the story of how a Roman governor, his name was Felix, heard the message about Jesus from a prisoner named Paul, who was a messenger of Jesus. Look, look what Luke records in his gospel, sorry, in Acts, his second volume. Several days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was a Jewess. He sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. As Paul discoursed on righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid. And he said, that's enough for now. You may leave. When I find it convenient, I will send for you. As far as we know, he never found it convenient. And two years later, he was replaced as governor. The convenient time never came. It was too late for Felix. Some people console themselves and they say, well, that thief on the cross, he repented right at the last minute and was converted and went straight to paradise. As one person said, there is only one so none need despair, but there is only one so none may presume. And I've been involved in pastoral work for hundreds of people's lives. I cannot recall any deathbed repentance, ever. doesn't mean it's impossible, but don't presume upon it. It was too late for the people of Israel and Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday. Innumerable opportunities had been rejected, and now irreversible choices were set in place. Like Pharaoh in the Old Testament, if you know the story we're studying in the evenings in our groups, they had hardened their hearts against the Lord, until in the end the Lord confirmed him in his unbelief. Spiritual arteriosclerosis had set in. A fatal heart attack was inevitable. And that's why Jesus wept over the city and its people. All that remained for the city and the people of Jerusalem was judgment. So notice thirdly, finally in the process, innumerable choices, opportunities, irreversible choices, and finally inevitable consequences. The people of Israel, had rejected the peace terms that had been offered to them. That which would have brought them peace. Now all that awaits them is war. The inescapable consequence of their rejection of God's king. And as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, now it is hidden from your eyes. And then he sees into the future... Future, the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and your children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Jesus looks into the future and he sees the glorious city of Jerusalem with its magnificent temple, raised to the ground, not one stone left standing upon another, as tight as the Roman general and his army, ravaged the city, bringing rape, pillage, and destruction. He sees men and women, children, murdered and mutilated, the survivors carried off into exile and misery. And he weeps because it's all so unnecessary, if only, if only, but now. You see, God's judgment isn't always immediate. It will be 40 years before this happens. But the die is cast. There is no way back, inevitably. You know, there are very few, if any of us, who do not rejoice, often secretly, sometimes openly, when someone suffers as a consequence of having rejected our advice or rejected us. But there is no hint of that in the attitude of Jesus. He just weeps. Five days later, he goes to Jerusalem for the final time, carrying his cross, and he turns to the women of Jerusalem and says, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and your children, for the time is coming when you will say, Blessed are the barren women, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. They will say to the mountains, Fall on us, to the hills, cover us. You see, this is the gospel. If we refuse to respond to God's word then there is inevitable, inescapable consequence. It's summarized in Romans 6, verse 23. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So let me finish on a positive note. Jesus Christ offers us the free gift of eternal life. You don't need to live with regrets. And today he pleads with us to respond to his offer while we can. Maybe today is another chance for you. An opportunity to respond to the gospel, to turn from your sin and trust in Christ. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 2 says, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. And as we respond, there is not weeping but rejoicing. We've celebrated what God has done in Hope City over the past five years. But the greatest cause of what God has done over these past five years Is every person who has put their faith in Christ. Because that's what we're here for. And Jesus said, There is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So this Palm Sunday may not be a day of, if only, as you look back on your life, in Hope City, but a day of rejoicing. Let me finish with the final true story. Those many years back when we first moved to Edinburgh. A few weeks after we moved, my wife decided I needed a haircut. And so I wandered down into Morningside where we were living and found a barber's shop and sat down in the barber's chair and the young man I'd never met before said to me, is it your day off? Because it was in the middle of the week. I said, no, I, I have a funeral this afternoon. Oh dear, he said, is it someone in your family? No, I said, I'm the minister of a church, and I'm taking the funeral for one of our members. This can be a killer statement, I'm the minister of a church, <laughs> in, in a conversation with anybody, especially in the barber's chair. But the young man said, oh, we get lots of ministers in here. Then we talked trivialities for a little while, as you do, about the weather and about his football team, Celtic, which made him my barber for choice, um, and he returned to the subject again and said for the whole shop to hear without any embarrassment, I've started reading the Bible. Oh, I, said. I said, this born again Christian called Bob came in for a haircut. He said, born again Christians are the best kind, he commented. Then he came back in and bought me a leather Bible. Do you know what he wrote in it? I said, no, what did he write? He said, he wrote, meet me and forget me and you've missed nothing. Meet Jesus and forget him. And you've missed everything. That's right, isn't it? Said the barber. Absolutely. I said. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's pray. And then we're going to sing a song. Okay. And in the quietness. Let me speak to those of you here who are not Christians yet. Today's an opportunity to respond. The Bible says, Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Every time we refuse God's voice, it hardens our hearts. You can simply respond by saying to God in the quietness of your own heart, Lord, I've lived my life my own way. Thank you for Jesus. Pray. I want to receive him as my Lord and Savior and turn from my old way of life. The words aren't important, it's what you mean from your heart. And God will hear you and forgive you. Maybe you're someone, maybe you're even a Christian, and you're living with regrets because of things that happened, if only that hadn't happened. And you're living with the consequences. You need to come the same way in repentance and seek God's grace and favor again. And maybe someone here is at the point of making a decision which will have life-changing effects so that you look back and say, if only God offers to give you his grace and help if you seek his face today. Gracious God, thank you that you're a living and kind God. Gracious, merciful, long-standing patient with us, patient with me over many years and with each one of us here. Lord, thank you for your love and grace. We sing of your grace so marvelous, all sufficient and free. Whatever our needs are today, meet us by your grace. And may we have cause for rejoicing here in Hope City today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Where's well, Palm Sunday? Didn't know when we chose it that Jerusalem is the first song we ever sang. So we're going to sing it. that have already chosen that with John. We're going to sing Jerusalem as we focus on the events of Holy Week coming up. Good Friday, Easter Sunday, and the final event when we'll sing in the New Jerusalem. Great thing. So John, is Ellen singing as
1: well? Let's we'll stand together. Yeah.